you have your Bibles, would you open them tonight? The Second Samuel 16. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series entitled, A Man After God's Own Heart. A Look at the Life of David. And we're learning principles that might make us a person after God's own heart. Tonight's message, David and Shemai. You say, Pastor, who in the world is Shemai? You'll know after our service tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 5 through 14. But for our scripture reading, let's read verses 5 through 8. 2 Samuel 16, and then verse 13. And when King David came to Balram, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shemai. He was the son of Gurah, and he came forth and cursed as he came. He cast stones at David and all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men that were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shemai when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Satan, Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom your son, And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because you are a bloody, a murderous man. Verse 13, And as David and his men went along the way, Shimei went along the hillside over against them, and cursed them again as they went, and threw stones at them, and kicked up dust at them. The story is told of an older couple who stopped for lunch while on journey. After eating lunch and leaving the restaurant, the couple was about ten miles down the road when the wife noticed that her glasses were missing. That she most probably had left her glasses back at the restaurant. So she asked her husband if he would turn around, but it was rush hour traffic. They were about 15 miles away. And he said no. Well, she begged him to turn around. She needed her glasses. And after constantly asking and begging, he finally agreed to turn around and go back. The entire time that they're driving back to the restaurant, he is fussing. He's complaining. He's calling her names. He's saying, you're absent-minded, you're stupid. Why don't you keep up with stuff? Well, finally, after all of this insulting and berating, they do arrive at the restaurant. And she gets out of the car to go inside and retrieve her glasses. And as she's walking in, he rolls down the window and he hollers at her for the last time. He says, while you're in there, you might as well get my hat. Well, in many ways tonight, we're going to look at a man just like that old man. His name is Shimei. Shimei was negative-minded, mean-spirited, and foul-mouthed. 
Now, before we look at what he did to David and David's response back to him and some principles for us all, just a little background about this man by the name of Shimei, who many of you have never heard of before. First of all, he's a relative to King Saul. King Saul was Israel's first king. And he was a madman and he was a murderer. And God took the throne from him because he had a rebellious spirit and would not listen to God. So, Shimei is a descendant. He's part of the family, the lineage of King Saul. And for years, he has blamed David for King Saul's demise. Now, we know God did it. But Shimei blames David for it. He says, what happened to my relative, my family member, King Saul, is all because of David. David was greedy, David was lustful, he was conniving, he was a schemer. He did Saul in. All Saul tried to do was love David. And David stabbed him in the back and took his throne. Everything that happened to King Saul was David's fault. Now if you know your Bibles, you know that was an outright lie. But that's what Shimei, Shimei believed. And that's what he told everybody over and over and over again through the years. Third thing I want you to know about this man by the name of Shimei. He's a conniver and schemer himself. He looks for ways to humiliate and hurt David. He looks for ways to overthrow David from his throne. And the reason why he's so interested in doing that is for political aspirations himself. So that's a little bit of background about this man by the name of Shimei. He's a relative of King Saul. He blames David for all of King Saul's problems, including his demise. He says David stole the throne from King Saul. And the reason why he does that is he himself has an agenda. He has political aspirations in mind himself. He wants to get rid of David. He wants to overthrow his kingdom. And he wants to be part of the new administration that will be run by Absalom, the son of David. So that's kind of where we're at as we go to our text tonight. Now, once again, I want us to read about his attack. Shimei's attack against God's man, King David. Now, I want you to picture in your mind what is taking place. Try to paint a picture in your mind as I'm reading the words and you're following with me of what's taking place. When King David came to Baruch, behold, out of the crowd came a man, a man who was family from the house of Saul. His name was Shimei. He was the son of Gura, And he came forth and he used profanity and vulgarity against David. And then he began, verse 6, to cast stones at David. And not just David, but all the servants of King David. And all the people that were with him. And all the soldiers that were with him. Including his generals. That were both on his right and left hand side. Verse 7. 
And Shammai continued to curse at them. He said, come out, come out, you bloody man. He accused David of being a son of Belial, which is the son of the devil. And then he went on in verse 8 and says, The Lord has returned upon you all the blood of the house of Saul. David, you're getting what you deserve. This is what you did to my relative King Saul, and God's repaying you. And he said it with such venom. And then he said, The Lord has delivered your kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your own son. God's taking it from you, just like you took it from Saul, and going to give it to your son. And behold, you are taken in mischief. David, you're a liar, you're a cheat. Because you are a bloody man. You got, you're a murderous man, David. And in verse 13, as David and his men continue along the path, Shimei follows them along the little hill. He continues to curse at them with vulgarity and profanity. He throws stones at them continually. And he even follows them, kicking dust at them. Can you imagine that? Kicking dust, dirt, onto David and his entourage. What an attack by Shimei. Did you follow what he's doing? He's got some boldness and some brazenness to him, does he not? He curses David. That word curse doesn't mean just put a hex on somebody. That word curse is speaking of using some of the foulest, filthiest words imaginable against somebody. He's using profanity and vulgarity against God's man David. He throws rocks at David and his men. He, he, he throws stones at their face. He throws rocks at their body. I don't know if the attempt is to hurt them, it's to humiliate them. It's to provoke them. It's to bring shame to them. It's not so much a physical thing he's trying to do, he's trying to mentally and emotionally provoke them and shame them. And then he calls David a murderer. He says, you're a murderer, you got blood all over your hands, you take innocent life. And then he calls David a man after God's own heart, a son of the devil. David, you're in cahoots with the powers of darkness. And then he continues to curse David. And he tells David he's going to lose his throne. God is going to take his throne from him, just like he took Saul's throne. And he's going to give it to David's son Absalom. And then as David and his men continue to walk, he continues. You would think he would quit, but he keeps up in the ante. He follows them from a little hill, probably as high as this platform down there. And he continues to curse at them. He continues to throw little rocks at them. And then he starts kicking dirt on them. What he's doing, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. He's trying to provoke David to respond to him. He's trying to get David to respond so he can sway public opinion on his side. 
Everything I've said about David's true. Look what he's done to me. Shemai is trying to, to make himself a victim by making David retaliate against his provocations. Shemai is no different than people we have today who also provoke. Wanting to get a response out of those they provoke so they can claim to be a victim and get publicity and have public opinion come their way. You say, Pastor, who are you talking about? I'm talking about these thugs and punks who provoke the police with their lawlessness. They want the police to respond. So okay, they can holler police brutality. I'm talking about sinister church members who provoke pastors and other leaders of the church at business meetings with criticisms and opposition that's unreasonable. I'm talking about men and women in your family and maybe my family who are as mean as a snake and they constantly are keeping a stir and constantly keeping strife in the family for their own agendas. I'm talking about People who participate on social media. Wicked people. Who are constantly hurling insults and smearing reputations and keeping an uproar. Because they want the attention that they believe they so deserve. Shemai is just like them. In fact, he's their grandfather. He wants to provoke David. And to retaliating against him. That he can be the victim. And he can say to the public, everything I told you is true. See what he's done to me. I didn't do nothing to him. People like Shemai are infected with hatred that's born in hell. And they feel it's their calling of God to denigrate and destroy people. Let me say that again. People like Shemai and they're at ilk are infected with a hatred that comes from hell itself. And yet they say they are called of God to denigrate and destroy people. Shemai's attack. But now I want you to see something else in verses 9 through 12. I want you to see David's response. Now, I know as we've studied the life of David, you might be scratching your head and say, Pastor, I can't really figure out why he's a man after God's own heart. He had so many flaws and faults. He had so many blemishes and spots. You're absolutely right. But let me tell you something. What you're about to see, if you didn't see nothing else, this tells you why he was a man after God's own heart. Look at verses 9 through 12. Then said Abishai, the son of Zuru, unto the king... Speaking of David, why should this dead dog curse my Lord, the king? (laughs) Oh, you like Abishai? He says, Shemai is just nothing but a dead dog. He's nothing but a rotting feline. Let me go over, I ask of you, and take his head off his shoulders. Don't you feel like that sometimes when people talk about you? Moment of honesty. And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeru? 
Let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, Curse David, who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all the servants, Behold my son, which came forth out of my bowls, seeketh my life. He's speaking of Absalom. My own son's trying to kill me. How much more now may this Benjamite do it as well? Let him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has bidden him. And it may be that the Lord will look on my affliction, my torment that's coming from him, and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. You and I are Abishai's. We want to draw the sword, and when people attack us unjustly, unfairly, deceitfully, dishonestly, what do we want to do? Take their head off. Don't you look pious out there at me. I know you would. That's our response. That's the response of the flesh. We retaliate. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. David has been cursed. He's been stoned. He's been falsely accused. He's been insulted. He's been provoked by this man who is like a dead dog. And David handles himself with restraint. A God-given restraint. A restraint that's very similar to what Jesus Christ showed us at Calvary. As he was cursed and beaten and falsely accused and insulted and provoked. And yet he kept perfect composure. And what's so amazing about this supernatural response of David? is it came when he was at his lowest of lows. Think about it. Now David's coming through, and he's been stripped of his kingdom. He's no longer the king at this moment. He's been betrayed by his own son Absalom, who we've talked about several weeks ago. He's been rejected by his people. You know, it's interesting... Sometimes your greatest fans today will be your greatest boo-birds tomorrow. The people that are applauding you today will boo you tomorrow. And David, who has done so much for Israel, so much for the people, by and large has been rejected by the people who are now following Absalom. And David is tired, he's weary of body, soul, and spirit. Again, David is about as low as you can get. He's lower than a snake's belly in a wagon track. I mean, he's low. And yet David, at his lowest point, is at his highest point spiritually. He does not allow Shemai to provoke him to retaliate. He essentially ignores him. Though Abishai wants to kill him. Now the question you might have, and I had, is how could David do it? How could David have somebody get up right in his face and call him every profane, vulgar name in the book? 
How could David have that man who's cursing him and probably spewing spit on him as he talks? Not retaliate. How could David have somebody throw stones at him and his men and not seek to fight back? How could David have a man follow him and kick dirt all over him and not fight back? How could he do it? Because as I said earlier, you wouldn't do it. And I wouldn't do it. You say, but you're a pastor. I wouldn't do it. And you wouldn't either. Most of us can only take so much before we're going to slap him silly. Or draw our own sword and take his head off. But David doesn't do that. Why? I believe we see some reasons in the scripture that we read I believe reason number one, David didn't do it, is found in verses 10 and 11. David remembers his sin against God. And he remembers God's judgment against that sin. The king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zerah? Let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, curse David. David said, let him curse. Maybe God has told him to curse me. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? David said to Abishai and to all the servants, Put your swords back in the sheath. Behold my own son, who came forth from my own loins, Absalom. He's cursing me too. He wants to kill me. How much more now may this Benjamite join him? Let him alone, let him curse, for maybe the Lord has sent him. That's interesting. What's David talking about here? I think David is remembering a sin that he committed not so far back from this incident. I think he's remembering his sin with Bathsheba. I think he's recalling the lust that led him into adultery, that led him to murder, that led him to deception, that led him to hypocrisy. I believe he's thinking about when his pastor Nathan came and put his finger right on David's chest and said, David, God knows what you have done. And David, unless you confess and repent of this sin, God will take your life. And David confessed and repented of his sin. If we will confess our sin, our Lord is faithful and just to forgive us of all sin and cleanse us of all iniquity. God spared David's life because David confessed and repented. But God said, David, I'm not going to spare the life of the baby that will come from this immoral relationship. The baby will die. And David, I'm not going to spare your family from headache and heartache for the rest of your life. What you have done is going to have ramifications that will follow you till the day you die. Your family is going to become dysfunctional. Your family is going to be filled with turmoil. 
your family's going to have trouble after trouble after trouble because of what you've done. David, I have forgiven you. Your sin is forgiven. But the consequences of that sin, I will not take away. And I believe David is referring to that as he's talking. Maybe Shemai has been sent by God to be a reminder to me of the sin that I committed. And maybe he's part of the torment and the turmoil and the trouble God said will come to me and my family the rest of my life. I'm not saying David's thinking is correct. But that's what David is thinking. I have sinned. He's sinning. Maybe what I've done is the reason why he's doing what he's done. But then David has patience. He has restraint. Not only because he remembers his sin and God's judgment brought against him. But he also remembers God's faithfulness. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 3. Psalm 3 was a song that David wrote about this period of time that we're studying tonight. It was during the time that he was fleeing Absalom, his son. A civil war was taking place in Israel, if you recall. And David and his men are on the move. That's why they're going through the town that Shemai is in. That's why he's there to provoke them. And in Psalm 3, verses 1 through 4, David remembers the faithfulness of God. Why didn't David retaliate against Shemai? Well, because he remembered God's faithfulness. Secondly, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me my glory, and the lifter up of my head. Keith, I believe that thing would sing, don't you? I I believe that, that, that dog would hunt. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and He heard me out of the holy hill. David said, God is faithful to me. And my God has said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God doesn't need my help to take care of my critics, however profane and vulgar and aggressive and provocative they may be. God will be faithful to me. I must be faithful to Him. So David is able to restrain himself because he remembers what he has done And the judgment that came from God against him. And maybe this is part of it. He's able to restrain himself and not retaliate because he remembers that God is faithful. God will never give a man more than he can take. More than he can handle by the grace of God. And David says, I'm not going to bloody my hands with him. God will take care of him. 
My God is faithful. And then notice in verses 5 through 8 of the same psalm. David also thirdly remembers God's promises. I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people, much less this one dead dog, that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belong unto the Lord, and thy blessing upon thy people. As David is walking, he's thinking, My God shall never leave me or forsake me. He shall be with me always, even to the end of the world. There is no temptation that will come against me that is not common to all men, but in that temptation, God is faithful. He is faithful to provide a way for me to escape the temptation, endure the temptation unto victory. God's grace is sufficient for everything in this world we'll ever face. God has the ability to take what is bad and transform it into what is good. To make all things work together for the good, though they be bad initially. As David is walking, I'm sure the promises of God are flowing through his mind. The faithfulness of God is flowing through his mind. And as he focuses on God, he does not allow Shemai to distract him. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. He was able to have calmness and composure for most of the days of his life. He showed it with Saul, didn't he? Saul tried to kill David numerous times, and David had opportunities to kill Saul, but he didn't. David had opportunities to take out his own son if he wanted to. His son deserved to die. His son was crazy. But David didn't. I don't think anybody would say David didn't have a right to take Shimei's head off. But David didn't do it. David remembered the faithfulness and promises of God. We would do well as well. In closing, five little principles and we'll be through. Principle number one. Every single person. Every single person. Are you a person? If you're not, raise your hand. If you're not a person. Okay. Every single person. Every single family. Every single church. Every single society. Has a Shemai in it. If you haven't run into him yet, you will. Because there's plenty of them out there. They're critical. They're mean. They're foul. They provoke. They do everything they can to get under your skin that you can respond to them. And then you become the aggressor and they're the victim. They want to humiliate you. They want to harass you. They want to destroy you. That's what they want to do. 
And look up here at me. If you haven't met one yet, don't be discouraged. You will. Secondly, people like Shimei, and we're going to run into them in the course of our life. They're Satan's hounds that come, I believe, directly from hell. And their purpose is to draw us away from our walk with God. They may not know that, but they're instruments of Satan. Sent to terrorize and to torment us, to trouble us, that we will leave our walk with God. That we will respond in the flesh. That we will bring dishonor to God by the way we handle what they do to us. Thirdly, it is not our responsibility to attack them. It's not your nor my responsibility to engage the Shemais. We want to engage them, don't we? We want to put our hands around their little skinny necks and squeeze life out of them. We want them to go to the ground where we can spit on them and kick them. We want to take their head off their shoulders. Because we live in the flesh. And that's what the flesh wants to do. They give us an ounce of problem, we want to take out a pound of cure on them. That's why God says you don't respond to people like that. You ignore them, you pray for them, and you give them to God. You say, Pastor, that's cowardly. No, it's not. That's being brave. The cowardly thing to do is take matters into your own hand. Anybody can do that. The courageous thing to do, the brave thing to do, the heroic thing to do is ignore them. Just absolutely ignore them. When we get to heaven, I'd like to talk to David about this incident. I'd really like to we hope we get a picture of what was on David's face as he's walking through with his men. And this dead dog is provoking him. I believe David is grimacing a little bit. I believe he's, he, his hand is on his sword. But he keeps walking on. His mind and his heart, his eyes and his ears are fixed on the promises and the faithfulness of God. It's not our responsibility to take on those who provoke us. Give them to God. Give them to God. Fourthly, it is our responsibility. It is our responsibility. Not to acknowledge people like Shemai. Not to accommodate them. Not to agree with them. Not to ally ourselves with them. It is our responsibility to leave those people isolated. Are you listening to me? 
If you leave them isolated and they don't have a following, eventually they quiet and they move on. The problem is, we're so sweet of people. We don't want to ever tell anybody, shut up and be quiet. If you don't like it, leave. But there comes a time when you need to do that. Or you will be part of what they're doing. All it takes for evil to prevail is for good people to sit on their haunches and do nothing. It's a tragedy in today's church that three or four people, the tail, can wag the dog of the church and cause so many problems in so many places. As you know, I work with about 45 plus pastors. I can tell you most of them are in smaller churches that are in constantly in turmoil. They're in turmoil because they got two or three people that cause all the problems. What are the other 97 doing? Nothing. In many ways, they're approving of what's taking place by doing nothing, saying nothing. It's our responsibility to leave to God those who provoke us. But it's our responsibility when we see people like that, doing that to other people, that we do not give them any kind of stamp of our approval. We back away from them and leave them alone. And then fifthly, remember this, God in His time and in His own way will vindicate us. You don't have to defend yourself. God will defend you. And He will vindicate you in His time and in His way. And He will bring vanquish to those who are causing the problem. David would come back and be the king of Israel. God would restore him to the monarchy. David's record would remain what it is today. He's a man after God's own heart. What about Shimei, pastor? <laughs> well... When David died, he told Solomon, you better watch that guy. Solomon would follow David as the next king of Israel. He said, you better watch him. In fact, may I make a suggestion to you, son, before I check out of this world. Go ahead and take his life as quick as you can. Because he's going to try to overthrow you because he has political aspirations for this kingdom. Not long after that, Solomon would take out Shimei because he saw what his father said was true. God in his own time, in his own way, he'll take out the critics. You'll stand tall, the critics will be gone. God will be glorified. And that's the way it should be. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.